Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to stretch every single dollar. That's right. I want you to be able to keep more of what you make. You follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. Coming up later, there's new stuff out about how many people at retirement age still have a mortgage. I find that upsetting. I want to talk strategies about how to handle housing so that it doesn't become an albatross around your wallet in your life. So speaking of your house, in Florida, there was a citizen's initiative that overcame the dirty money of the power monopolies in Florida and made it possible for people in the state of Florida to install solar at their homes and businesses. Now, I want you to think about how crazy that is. Monopoly companies using their influence in state legislatures, like Florida's, got through laws that kept you from putting in essentially your own power plant. And the people of Florida rose up through citizen initiative and taught the power companies a lesson. And this is an ongoing fight because in the states that still use the antiquated system of having these very politically powerful monopoly energy companies, those energy companies stifle innovation and choice. And that's a terrible problem for American competitiveness and awful for you as an individual homeowner or as a business owner because you end up paying a lot higher rates. The state of Texas opened up its energy markets and created a system where there are power producers that compete for you to buy energy from them, often indirectly through whatever company you decide to get your retail energy from. And it's a vastly superior system. Energy costs in Texas have dropped in half, while in so many of the monopoly power states, they've gone up and up. Well, now the latest dirty dealing from the power companies, these monopolies, is they're trying to get bills through state legislatures that will specifically disallow, ban you from using the new uh, battery packs. There's been these enormous breakthroughs in small businesses and at residences having battery packs in your garage to provide emergency power if you have an outage or for you if you have solar to be able to store that energy when the sun's not shining. And so these power companies that are these antiquated monopolies that charges these outrageously overpriced costs for energy because they're monopolies, now frightened of the batteries trying to get those outlawed. I mean, seriously. In comparison, the state of Colorado because of the shenanigans of the power companies, specifically has passed a new law that the governor has signed that gives you a stated right 
to have battery packs at your house. Should it have come to that? Ridiculous. You know, we need to have more energy security as a country. And one of the great ways to do that is to destroy these monopolies. These monopolies harm our nation. And having power companies have these state-by-state monopolies is nothing but a way of paying off preferred political interests. We need innovation, we need competition, and we need choice. These monopolies trying to restrict any of those things, they got to go. Patrick's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Patrick. Hey, Clark. How you doing? Great, thank you. You have something that just came up in my family, just has come up as a discussion. What are you trying to do? All right, Clark. Well, I just took a new job across the country, and uh, at the end of the next month, I plan on moving my wife and the rest of my belongings, and I wanted to know what the best way to do that would be. Is this a whole household move, or...? No, it's uh, just a one-bedroom apartment. Uh, you know, we don't have much, just a bed, a dresser, a couple of TVs, and a couch. So. Okay, so this is going to freak you out when I say this. A lot of times it's cheaper if you're moving more than 1,000 miles to sell what you have and start fresh. I thought that might be your answer. <laughs> but if All that's right. not the answer you're looking for, and you want to move some of these possessions, have you ever heard me mention you ship? You know, I, I looked at you ship, and the quote was like four grand. See, this is exactly was... this is exactly the problem, and why <laughs> why I'm talking about you maybe considering jettisoning. Uh, all but the smallest items that maybe you can stuff in your car with you and and drive across the country. Because because if you were to hire a traditional moving company and you're going all the way across the country, right? Yes, sir. Uh, you're, You're talking about big, big money and you're not corporate reload where the company you're taking the job with is paying for that move. Uh, When, if you had a whole house of furnishings and possessions and all that, then taking the big hit on a move makes some sense. But otherwise, if things that are not breakable, have you priced out with smaller things looking at maybe using UPS or FedEx to move things across? Because generally under 70 pounds, that's an effective way to do it. No, I haven't. And I've got a truck uh, back on the East Coast where I'm moving from. So I'll be able to utilize that and then my wife's car um, for the small things, but like our bed and dresser. Uh, sell you your know, bed and dresser. Fun. That's all we've got. Um, yeah, sell so I'd them. Hate to, I'd hate to let it go. Let them go. <laughs> but, let them go because uh, the cost of moving them, unless they are like precious antiques or something like that, are they? Oh, no. They're not family heirlooms. Furniture loses value so quickly. You can, you can sell them where somebody's getting a great deal buying them from you, and then you buy used when you get to your new destination. Okay. I know that's, that doesn't sound sentimental. I don't get <laughs> sentimental about possessions, though. So. No, I don't, I don't either. 
I figured that that would be the answer that I, because that, that's what I was coming to as well. But I was hoping to get some other alternative. But you're right; it it is just way too expensive. Yeah, so ditch the things and start fresh. And if you really, uh, if you don't want to buy used and you want to buy new, is there an IKEA? Do you like IKEA's style? Is there an IKEA where you're moving to? I believe so. I believe so. So that's an alternative. You know, if you if you go into an IKEA on a Saturday or Sunday, which is real, those are the two days you really don't want to be there. But if you go there, you will see a zillion apartment dwellers in buying furnishings for their one-bedroom apartment. Wow. Okay. Well, I'll, uh, I'll take a look at it. I'll, everything that we've got was handed down to us, so we're just starting out newlyweds. All right. So, again, none of it has family sentimentality to it? No, none at oh. all. If it's just hand-me-downs and no sentimental thing to it, let it go, and uh, you be unsentimental, maybe buying somebody else's used stuff where you go to. And I hope you love your new career opportunity. Stacy's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Stacy. Hi, Clark. Thanks for having me on your show. It's great to have you here. You've got a question about your kids, and you're worried about their privacy, aren't you? I am, yes. What's happening? Our state fair competition requires that we give the student social security number in the event that they win a prize, because it's a cash prize, and I don't want to give them my kids' social security numbers. Right, now you said and a I key thing. You said something. I want to make sure I heard you right. You yes. don't give the social security number for your kids for them to enter. You only give it if they're the winner and they're going to take they're going to end up with a cash reward for that. No, the directions here say specifically that if we do not give the social security number that matches the student that is entering in the art, they will not even qualify to win the cash prize. That is ridiculous and that is not right. You know, if you if you are entering a competition as a kid or even as an adult and the prospects are most people are not going to be winners most people are not going to be receiving a cash prize the organizers of the event are creating a risk for themselves and a liability exposure that is completely unnecessary and unreasonable you know at the time somebody wins to be asked to fill out paperwork that would include a social security number, that's very reasonable, Stacy, because that's you know that's a, a legitimate business reason. I agree, and it also states that they have to send in the IRS the prize money totaling six hundred dollars or more, and we're looking at prizes that are seventy five dollars or less. Well, the whole thing is silly, and I don't know who is the organizer, but. That is not uh, a, a good decision on their part, and it's reckless, in fact. And My, so all my question... Yes? Sorry. Go ahead. My question was, is there an alternative tax ID number that I could use in place of a Social Security for tax reporting purposes? You could. It's not considered to be a um, legitimate use of the system, but you could request an EIN. A, uh, an alternative federal number that 
is two numbers followed by a dash instead of the way a social security number works. And that would not be something I would recommend. I, I think that that you would be wise to be an advocate for other parents and see if the procedure could not be changed. And $75 prize to require a kid's social security number when it's not even going to be reported is it's just not good thinking on the part of the organizers of the state fair. And it is careless in an era of such rampant identity theft and you're making a smart decision as a mom to stand up for your kids and their privacy joan joins us on the clark howard show hi joan how's it going how are you clark great thank you joan yes you leased a car i need i I need a little advice uh, clark actually yes i um i i have a home in vermont which i rent in the winter. I live in New York City, and I don't need a car in New York City, but I have a uh, 2013 Honda CRV, which I love, which is coming off of the lease uh, the middle of August. Now, I was there yesterday, and they've allowed me to extend my lease because, by the way, they only insist on a 36,000-mile lease, and my car is not even at 22,000 miles because in the wintertime, I garage it in New York, but I barely drive it because you don't need a car in New York. Sure. You don't want a car in New York. You really don't. So my option is to either extend the lease for two months, which will get me through the middle of October, and they even give you a 10-day grace period, turn it back to them, save on my lease, save on my garage, and put, you know, 4500 in my pocket and just get myself back to New York and try to lease again maybe next spring now uh they've you know they've offered me an incredible deal because they know i'm really turning in a perfect car um but it just doesn't make sense to me to keep this car for the winter when i really don't use it all right let's talk about a different alternative you have used it far lower mileage than intended right so you paid for basically fourteen thousand miles you're not going to use Correct. You babied the car. Yep. It's got, uh, gosh, at the miles you're driving it, that car could be good for another 20 years. Oh, yeah. The thing is loaded, too. You know. So why yep. not buy it? You have a buyout option in the lease. Mm-hmm. Instead of leasing something again, particularly, you know, SUVs are holding what they call holding book. They're, right. they're selling used at a great, right. great price. The odds may favor you to just exercise your right in the lease to purchase it. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, you do have to, to garage it right. again, but you'd already have your wheels and right. uh, you'd have it at a great price. Do you know what residual price you have to pay for it? 18000 And do you know, gosh, as new as that is and as few miles as you have on it, have you checked to see what the current value of it would be? Well, you know, my my son was went online, and what he said was that you can't can't put in excellent, so it's in really excellent condition. But very good on Kelly Blue Book uh, says with that kind of mileage, it is anywhere between, well, believe it or not, fifteen to seventeen thousand. However, the fellow yesterday at the at the uh, at the dealership, he was like, oh, my God, this car is perfect. People, you know, I know people who want this car, and they can probably sell it. They can make money. 
they can sell it for like 21 or 22. But the other thought I had, and I don't know if you know, if you're familiar with this at all. Suppose I were to, my son was telling me that there's something called lease trader where you can, like, let's say next April, I decide I want a car for six months because that's all I need. Yes. Couldn't I? Okay. That is a great idea as an alternative where where you take over the end of somebody's lease. As long as you have good credit, you can take it over and then you only have to worry about a car seasonally. Right. And you could be a nomad with a different car every year in Vermont. What a clever son you've got. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where you learn ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. And follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. New stats out that I read in the Washington Post find that when people hit their 60s, there's about almost a 50-50 chance they'll still have a mortgage on their home. Now, that is upsetting to me. These people aged 60 to 70, just under half, still have a mortgage. Now, why is that distressing to me? Generally, in retirement, you're going to have lower available income. But if your mortgage is still there, that's sitting there is a burden in your life and creates insecurity in your life. Now, I get a lot of calls from people about being on a track to be mortgage debt-free. And it's weird because most of the time I get a call from somebody about doing that, I'm talking, trying to talk them out of it and talking through priorities. And it just is situational. It depends on each individual who calls me to talk about prepaying on a mortgage or something like that what's going on in their own lives helps lead me to my recommendation and my answer to them about handling debt but as a general rule you don't want to retire still owing on a mortgage and if i went back Oh, just a generation. I wouldn't even have to say that. This is a recent phenomenon that people are reaching retirement age and still carrying a mortgage. There are circumstances in life, could be a late-in-life divorce, could be a business reversal, could be a period of unemployment. There are lots of factors that could lead somebody to be at a point where you still have a mortgage at normal retirement age. And so this isn't a shaming message, and if it comes across as that, I've failed. But I'd like you to think about it this way. When you're in your 40s and 50s, and you're thinking about, let's say you're thinking of buying a new home, or whatever it is, whatever you are in your life cycle, is part of how you plan for your future, once you count it out and think about the math If you buy a home when you're 44 and you take out a 30-year mortgage, you're going to be paying on that mortgage till you're 74. If you take out a 15-year loan, you're done with it at age 59. I mean, I really want you to think about the cycles and what you decide to do and 
maybe how much house you buy. Because if the payment is ridiculous on a 15-year loan and not a 30, maybe a little less expensive house and maybe a little smaller house and even number of things you could do to nip and tuck that budget and be on a path, a glide path, where you end up mortgage debt free at the point you anticipate retiring. The other thrown in bonus is that in your 40s or even in your early 50s, take out a 15-year loan, you're going to get a lower interest rate than you would on a 30. But then think about that math. I said even early 50s, you're still going to be in debt till almost age 70 with a 15-year loan. So really, I ask you to step back and think through the time. Think through your life cycle and where you want to be and what goals you want to have and what independence you'd like to have at a certain point before you decide to buy and sign up for that long, long, long-term mortgage. Neil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Neil. Hi, Clark. How are you doing? Great, thank you. You want to talk about Roku. Yes, uh, it has become a very popular item uh, throughout my family. We have, uh, throughout three households in my family, we actually have nine Rokus now um, that have replaced. <laughs> yeah. so, so you can't give those to people for their birthday because everybody's already got one. Yes, uh, actually, that's funny you mentioned that. I kind of used that for birthday and Christmas for uh, quite a while, and yeah, you are right. I have to get more creative now. <laughs> so do you have Roku 1s, 2s, 3s, 4s, Roku sticks? What all you have? We have, um, I have some of the legacy devices, like the Roku HD, which uh, changed to the Roku 2. Um, still works like a charm. And then uh, we have a couple streaming sticks that they've come out with. Um, I also just purchased the Roku 4, their newest one, for 4K televisions last week. And uh, that one is extremely impressive as far as the performance power and uh, how fast uh, animations go through. Hey, you know, you got to be really careful with the Roku 4. Because if your internet provider has a data cap, if you stream too much 4K television through the Roku, you'll blow right past that data cap. That is true. Uh, luckily for me, I have one of the big monster cable companies that does not currently do a cap, and uh, I am very fortunate to be living in one of those areas right now. That's great. Um, what I've ended up doing with these Rokus is uh, over time, uh, the cable set-top boxes that you have to lease through the cable companies um, has become an enormous expense on our account. And we elect to keep pay TV mainly for the live sports because that's kind of the one thing that still hasn't gone completely over the top yet. Um, we do have the two major over-the-top providers that are available as well uh, to supplement our cable service, and we love it. Is that it. Netflix and Hulu or Netflix and Amazon Prime or uh, Netflix Sling? and Hulu particularly. Netflix, yes. okay. Um, it's a great supplement to what we already have. But as far as um, our other rooms, we have, like in my household, I had four rooms. Um, we still have a traditional set-top box that we lease from the provider in our living room. But as far as our other three rooms, which were less used, we actually returned those boxes and uh, purchased the Rokus for them. Um, our particular provider happens to have streaming support, and it has become uh, quite a great service to the point where Almost all of the bells and whistles that you get on a traditional set-top box are now included through the Roku streaming device. Oh, and, uh, we, and we should, you know, you and I are talking about this like, like we're married to Roku, but a lot of people <laughs> don't know what it is. So let me step back one second and explain. R-O-K-U. Yes. It's a device you buy starting at forty nine ninety five for the stick, 
up to depending on where you buy it street price like 119 for the Roku 4 for uh, ultra high def or 4K and it is a brilliant device that the newer ones you can control through your smartphone you can talk to them and you can look to see where what program source or sources have available any show or any movie you want to see at any time it'll show you if it's available free if you have to pay for it, whatever. And it really has cracked the code of being able to watch streaming or internet television, whatever you want to call it. One of my favorite things about it is the uh, remote has 12 buttons or less on it, and that is the biggest thing for uh, my grandparents particularly who, do, who are obsessed with their Roku now. That is neat. I, I have friends that I took TV shopping and I convinced them to buy a Roku TV, a TV that from the ground up was built as a Roku TV. And they only watch now Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Prime. They don't watch anything else anymore. And it's saving them a fortune every month by not having their huge, expensive pay TV package. In my particular case, um, by returning those three cable boxes that I uh, supplemented for Roku's, or that I, supplement, I, wrote, I supplemented Roku's for three cable boxes in my house, um, I broke it down in $138 a year for the lease fee, and that's per room. And uh, when you multiplied it out, it was a savings of over $400 yearly on my uh, cable TV expense just on the lease equipment savings. And I want to tell you, I just read a story from a reporter who went, who was a TV nut and went streaming only, and after three months missed traditional pay TV so much that he went back to it. And there are people who aren't going to be enthusiastic like you and me, but if you try it and you love it like you and I do, then then think how much money you get to save. So good for you. Doug is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Doug. Hey, how are you doing? Great, thank you. You want to share with your fellow listener that you stood up for yourself and made what happen? I was in the middle of being taken advantage of on an insurance claim on a cell phone. I kind of have to set the groundwork. Is that okay a little bit? I'll sure, try and please. Be go go yeah. right ahead. All right. So anyway, uh, I bought my son a, a uh, phone. And at the time, my thinking was the headline was, you know, loss, breakage, whatever, insurance. And so I signed him up for it because I figured, you know, a 12-year-old kid, one of those things was likely. And I didn't really noodle it through. So he'd had the phone for a couple of years. And actually, one time, the phone, for no reason, started working intermittently. And I brought it in, and they replaced it for just about nothing. And so in my head, I'm thinking, hey, this insurance thing, great deal. But then the phone they replaced it with a few months ago, we didn't notice there was some pre-existing damage on it. When they sent it to us, it was, it was not particularly visible. And now a few months later, the damage is apparent because it's spread out across the face of the thing. And I bring it in for the change of the phone, and they say, oh, you have a $175 deductible because there's damage to the phone. <laughs> And I was flabbergasted. You know, how the phone wasn't even worth $175 to begin with. 
I uh, talked to the first level of people, and basically they said, oh, well, the last time you brought it in, that was a warranty. So that's why we didn't charge you. But here it's damaged, so if you're going to try a warranty, we'll charge you $400. So you need to put in an insurance claim, and that'll only be 175 And no matter it's how many It's not sounding times, so good anymore, is it? <laughs> I mean, uh, I pointed out to the f- that I'd already paid some 200 plus dollars for an insurance policy for the privilege of paying another 175 and that was pretty ridiculous. I went to the initial customer service people, and they aren't empowered to help you. So yeah, I they don't even the, work for the company, by the way. Right. I went to the Air Corps loyalty department, and they were clearly not empowered to help me. So I went to their supervisor, and they were unwilling to help me. So I went to that person's supervisor, and they had gotten to the point where they said, I'm not going to help you. And then finally they said, tell you what, I, I proposed to them that they just go in their back room where all the phones that people had sent them for ditching the other insur- the other phone carrier, <laughs> just send me one of those. And so they agreed to do that. So they just sent you another used phone and call it a day. Exactly. All right, let me give you one tip. I, I never insure a phone. But if you want to, look at squaretrade.com. Squaretrade.com, it is almost always a much superior premium and a much better outcome than ever buying the coverage for a phone ever from any of the cell phone carriers. You only got results, Doug, because you were persistent. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com slash ask. Joel might read your question on the air. In fact, you are going to read a question on the air from? From Daniel. He says, Clark, is there a better time or day to buy a new uh, vehicle? I've always heard by the end of the month or at the end of the day. What do you think? End of the month, end of the quarter, Monday evening. There are all these things that supposedly are accurate. The thing that I find really matters is not when you buy it, but how you buy it. And doing your shopping online is the key thing. The information you develop in advance, maybe even getting price quotes in advance, emailing dealers, using something like TrueCar.com, or if you're a USAA member, using their car buying service. If you're a Costco member, Sam's Club member, their car buying services. It's how you make the deal more than when you make the deal. All right, and Anthony writes in, he says, I'm 62. What do you think about me doing a reverse mortgage? What are the pros and cons? So the pro is that it helps you supplement your income. And if you own your home free and clear, nearly so, it makes your home kind of like an ATM that pays you for potentially the rest of your life as long as you live in the home. The, the con is that there are a lot of shady outfits in the reverse mortgage area and they have very high upfront fees. Key rule, you always want to go to a housing counselor, a financial counselor, before you would take out a reverse mortgage so you understand the options and the costs, and then you want a comparison shop, including all the fees for the reverse mortgage you get. It is virtually a last option to get additional income per month. 
Clark, you got one from Dan. He says, I'm looking to purchase my first home. I'm not sure how much to put down. I do online payment calculators, and the difference of putting, say, $10,000 down compared to $1,000 down is only about 50 bucks a month. Is it better to put more down or keep that extra money in the bank for emergencies and house expenses? The more, the better to put as down payment because the one thing you're not seeing on the mortgage calculators is that if you don't put enough money down, you get hit with something known as private mortgage insurance, PMI, that is a huge additional cost per month on the purchase of the home. If you can put enough down to avoid PMI, you want to do it. Our Clark and Shane says, do you advise joining a MetaShare program as opposed to purchasing regular health insurance? Some of the restrictions associated with these programs are concerning and they almost seem too good to be true, but it would be a substantial cost savings for my family. They're very, very different. They are religious-based health plans and they are, uh, they're like risk pools. And you just have to hope there's enough money in these plans to pay for a catastrophic illness if one sadly struck you or a family member. It is a matter of trust without normal underwriting. These plans have become increasingly popular because they tend not to have the deductibles you have on a traditional health insurance plan, and the premiums, as you mentioned, are substantially lower. But it is a very, very different kind of thing than buying traditional health insurance. You got to go in with your eyes wide open knowing how different it is. Our Clark Fred says, where do you recommend getting a checking account and a debit card for a 16-year-old kid? Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to give a quick answer on that. If you are a USAA member, do the USAA youth spending account. If you're not, the best I've seen is the Capital One 360 teen account. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you spending part of your day with us here on The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that if you need consumer advice, we're here to serve you off-air for free, nine hours a day. If you go to Clark.com and go down the home screen, you'll see a section, Consumer Help and Tools. Click on Consumer Action Center and you can get that free off-the-air advice.